Here's Neymar now, Cavani is there. And Saint-Etienne has surely won it in the 89th minute. Calou for Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tobac. Kylian Mbappé wraps it up. Hello and welcome to another episode of Le Bourgeois, your official league gun podcast that this week will have a slight Champions League edge to it. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, no country has more representatives in the last eight of Europe's elite club competition than France. So we have a special focus on Lyon and Paris Saint-Germain coming up. The new Ligue 1 campaign commences soon on August the 21st, and there will be a full preview of the season in next week's pod. But before then, to look back at Lyon's fantastic triumph over Juventus and to look ahead to this week's mouth-watering quarterfinals, I am joined by Le Bourgeois regular Armel Tangi. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. It's been, a, it's been a fun morning running around and getting sweaty, but uh, we're here. We're good. Yeah, we've had some Wi-Fi issues in the 37-degree heat here in Paris. In the relatively cool climes of the UK, uh, joining us hopefully now is, is Tom Williams. Hi, Tom. Hi, Matt. Hi. How are, how are things at your end? Tom, by the way, is a Ligue 1 expert, um, lived over here in Paris with us for, for many years. Uh, in the UK now, um, Tom just one English team left in the Champions League. Are people over there starting to get a bit edgy, thinking, oh gosh, are Leon going to knock Man City out? I mean, it must be a blip. It's the only explanation because, as everybody knows, the Premier League is the best league in the world and Ligue 1 is a farmer's league. So how can there be two French teams and only one from England? Uh, obviously, that, you know, that, that, there must be some peculiar explanation for that. Uh, I wouldn't say that the British press are exactly quaking in their boots at the thought of City having to get past Leon, But yeah, very refreshing from a French perspective to see two teams... Uh, in the Champions League quarterfinals. PSG, who we sort of expected to get to this stage, despite all the problems they've had getting beyond the last 16 in recent years. But Lyon, the real surprise package. And I think the way that they they dealt with Juventus um, over two legs in the last 16 will give them great heart going into that game against City. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's, it's a strange season. And who knows, we may have a, a strange winner or a different winner at least. Only two of the sides in the last eight have won the Champions League before, Barcelona and Bayern Munich, and they're playing each other. So there is a chance we will have a new winner this year. Um, Tom, you, you, you think Lyon or PSG, you know, they're, they're, they're not just making up the numbers. Certainly PSG have uh, uh, ambitions to go all the way. And in a one-off game, I mean, just, uh, just very briefly before we head over to, to Portugal to hear from Robbie Thompson, you know, you think this, may be the, this could be the end of the long wait for some French glory in Europe? Yeah, why not? I mean, you know, PSG are, are favourites against Atalanta. Yes, they have um, selection issues uh, with key players unavailable, but that was the case in, in the previous round, uh, the, the second leg uh, against Borussia Dortmund, and they came through. They've got much more Champions League experience than Atalanta, much more pedigree at that level. Uh, Lyon will obviously not be favourites going up against City, but they've proven against Juventus and um, in uh, the Coupe de la Ligue final against um, against PSG and, and earlier in the Champions League that they've found a way to play in these matches. It, it's not particularly um, uh, proactive football, but I think Leon have sort of recognised that the only way to get through these matches is to sort of batten down the hatches. And as we showed against Juventus, that can work against superior opposition. Yeah, Armel, in, in, in a couple of sentences before we get you know, into the deep analysis of, of these games, Leon, PSG, both of them have a, have a realistic chance or just PSG? Manchester City have never beaten Leon, so if you think Leon don't have a chance, then I don't know. You're not really 
up to it with football. But um, I think naturally you think PSG will do it and I, I can see Leon doing it as well. City will fall apart. OK, good prediction. I like that. Joining us a little bit late, um, Joachim Barbier, <laughs> who, uh, who, who is a bit of a celebrity these days because he featured, I don't know if you've seen the Nicola Anelka documentary on, on, on Netflix, but he, he's, he's one of the journalists who, who gives us some fascinating insight um, into Nicola Anelka. So Joachim, I assume you were sort of signing autographs downstairs, but, um, but welcome, welcome to Le Bourgeois. All, all, all good? Hi, guys. How are you? Yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're all well. We're all getting excited about your compatriots, Lyon and France, <laughs> sorry, Lyon and PSG in the Champions League. Um, what about you? Are you, are you getting excited? Um, I'm getting exciting, um, Lyon facing uh, City, especially because I have the, uh, the souvenir of the, uh, the couple of games uh, two years ago that were both uh, very good. Um, I'm not very excited about the way Lyon played. Uh, but I think that um, I don't know if it's over realism that uh, you know from Garcia say okay I've got uh, for now I've got the this player and uh, don't have much of a identity and I do what I do with this material and in a way is a tactical genius or it's still um, a work in progress it's uh, it's difficult to say how what are the qualities of the uh, especially especially um, on a um, of offensive level. I really like the um, solidity of the um, of Marcelo and Denayer before uh, before uh, he was substituted, and I think that he found uh, a proper midfield with uh, Cockrell and uh, uh, who else? Sorry, Maris. Um, and and Grimares. So um, I think it's they have more issues with. Uh, up front with, um, you know, Dembele, Depay. Depay is back. He's lucky to play because, uh, you know, he got injured in January, so there was no chance. But it's still, uh, you know, some um, uh, oil to be put in the engine to uh, to find some, um, you know, uh, um, uh, yeah, a good way to to, um, to to mix all these talents uh, because they got talents up front. Now we've got some very exciting news. We're going to be heading uh, over to Portugal to get the latest from the Paris Saint-Germain camp. Robbie Thompson is in Faro, in uh, in the south of Portugal, I think, Robbie. How, how, how are things out there? And uh, how do you feel that PSG are, are gearing up for the, for the big one on Wednesday? Good morning, Matt. Good morning, everyone. Yes, Monday morning here in Faro. The sun is out. Um, I've done a little bit of sport this morning as well. In the, in the PSG media camp, uh, morale is sky high. And I can say in the, in the players' camp as well, it uh, seems very, very good as well. There's a lot of confidence. There are a lot of happy faces around. I think everyone, there's the first subconscious feeling that that football is back and this is the business end and this is the the thing that everyone starts every season wanting to be here for these for these big matches so i think there's that which is great especially after lockdown everyone's very happy and uh the team seems in in really strong spirits we've had a couple of injury concerns the players marco verratti didn't travel with the team he's going to join up with the team in lisbon so we'll have to see how that pans out he's going to receive treatment on his calf muscle to the the very last minute um killian has been here he's started training a little bit with the team uh, mostly by himself but he's facing that race against the clock to be ready um we're training about 10 minutes from here it's about 28 degrees, 29 degrees every day, beautiful sunshine. Uh, it's quite humid. 
it takes a little bit out of the players. John Terry was here in the great English tradition of heading to Portugal in the summer. Um, he was watching the first training session. Uh, we had a very interested onlooker as well, uh, seeing how Thomas Tuchold does everything. So, look, honestly, the, the things are going well. I wouldn't say there's a feeling of overconfidence or that things are, you know, it's, a, it's like a holiday resort. People are working hard. Um, but there's a good feeling in the camp. Robbie, can you, can you get, give us an idea of how things are different, like from a normal, I don't know, pre-season camp or, or, or European trip, just in terms of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the COVID precautions in particular. Um, how, 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 how is everything different? What's happening exactly? There, there is a real consciousness here about, about COVID-19. We're not allowed out of the hotel. Nobody is allowed out of the hotel. We're not allowed to go to the hotel swimming pool. You have to uh, go at special times to the gymnasium if you want to do sport when it's just reserved purely for Paris Saint-Germain. The team eat and have meetings on a, on a level that's closed off from the, the public. Uh, we, the, everyone else in the delegation, the Paris Saint-Germain delegation, eat somewhere else. We have minimal contact with the players. It's masks everywhere, wherever you go. But as soon as you arrive, they give you a hand sanitizer and, and masks. It's, uh, there's a real consciousness about it. And, I mean, this is the time not to catch it. <laughs> we're four days away now. Now we're just 48 hours away from Atlanta. But when we arrived, it was, we got tested yesterday morning. We're tested every two days. We'll be tested again uh, on Tuesday when we get to, to Lisbon the, the day before the game. Um, nobody wants to take any risks. We hear that a couple of other teams still left in the competition have, have a couple of cases that have tested positive. And it's just a nightmare scenario because this thing is so contagious. If it goes through your, your squad, then, then your whole season, what you've been working for is finished. So people are taking it very, very seriously here. Yeah. And oh, I've got another, another point, Matt, to, to just illustrate that. Yesterday we had interviews with UEFA and with, with media here in the team hotel. And I was, I was holding the computer and organizing Zoom interviews with the, the UEFA journalists and with the, the producers of UEFA's media content and all of that with Pablo Sarabia and, and the coach Thomas Tuchel, who was came in on crutches with his, with his, now his injury and uh, doing everything via Zoom still. So that gives you some idea. I wanted to ask about the, the injury situations that uh, you mentioned, Marco Verratti. But before we get to the players, how is, how is Thomas Tuchel? He's, he's, he's on these crutches. Is he? I know he's broken a bone in his fifth metatarsal. Exactly. He's got a classic footballer's injury. Um, it, it, we couldn't believe it when we heard the news. It was, it was late on, on Friday evening when we got the, the message that we had to that the coach was the, the latest injury problem for the, for the club. You have to, you have to carry, carry his bags onto the aeroplane. Absolutely. He's, he, it's, it's, he's a big man and he's on little crutches and it's really a, a difficult situation. And the hardest thing for him, I think, is on the training pitch because he's a very active coach. He, he paces up and down, he stops play, he whistles, he runs into the middle of the play, he grabs the players and he, and he talks and explains things to them. And now he, he's driven around in a golf buggy He's got a, a wheelchair here in, in the hotel when, for, the, for traveling up and down the corridors. He's on crutches, which is very tiring. And I think that's the, the hardest thing. It, yesterday, he was in quite good spirits for the interviews we did. He talked about his injury, how, you know, what, just what incredible luck it was, how it changes. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit on an icebox now during the games like Bielsa. Um, so, you know, he, he's, he's, he's seeing the funny side of it, but I think it's incredibly frustrating for him, incredibly, especially at this moment where this is a, such a huge challenge for a coach. And now physically 
he's got this handicap for for to to try and win the Champions League. I think it's I think it's difficult. Yeah. So look, talk about the players. We know that Kozawa is out. Uh, Verratti is 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 out of the Atalanta game. Perhaps could play a part in the Champions League a bit later if 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 PSG progress. Killian, small chance. Perhaps as a sub against Atalanta? I think it's 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 too hard to tell. It's too early to say. Even for Marco Verratti, I, I don't think it's been uh, official yet that he's out. There are a lot of rumours that he's out. Um, the fact that he didn't travel to the squad for this three-day training camp with the squad for this three-day training camp is a, is a, a sign that it's going to be very difficult for him. But perhaps the, the club felt he could, if he has any chance at all, it's to stay in Paris and to keep receiving the top medical treatment there. Um, Killian is starting to train more and more. We've seen it. He, he's, he's on the pitch. He trains mostly by himself, but he is running. He is striking the football with both feet. Um, it's, it's a race against the clock for him, but he's in good spirits. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he plays some part. But again, it's, it's not for me to decide. Or, and it's probably for Killian and the, and the medical staff to decide. But, but knowing Killian, there's no doubt he wants to be a part of this and wants to be a part of every, every game possible. In terms of how this affects... Paris Saint-Germain and how they're, they're going to play. We saw a change in formation for the, the Coupe de la Ligue final against Lyon, where Killian was, was unavailable. And so Thomas Tuchel decided to switch to a, a 4-3-3 instead of playing Pablo Sarabia in a 4-4-2 as just Killian's replacement alongside Icardi. Was that a sign that we're going to see a different formation against Atalanta? Possibly added to the fact that there's no Angel Di Maria, who's suspended, that Marco Verratti is doubtful. I think there are, there are a lot of people missing for Paris Saint-Germain, an important part of the season. But if you look at the game against Borussia Dortmund, in Dortmund or in Paris, the 2-0 victory, there was no Marco Verratti in Paris. There was no Thomas Meunier. Um, Thiago Silva was just back from injury. Neymar was only just back from injury. Kylian Mbappe didn't start the match against Dortmund in Paris. So there were big, important players missing from that match in Dortmund as well. And Paris got a, a very good result. And I think, honestly, that if you want to win the Champions League, you can't just rely on one or two players. No, I, I really believe that you have to have a team that can cover even for just one match. I think you're right. And people talking about the jinx, the, the, the injuries. I mean, Paris Saint-Germain still have an awful lot of good players who are available. Just uh, before, we, before we leave you to go and have a spa or, or, or whatever you're going to do, um, or work, possibly. Um, if, let, let's say it's a 4-3-3. Let's say Killian's on the bench. If it's a 4-3-3, we're thinking Icardi up top, with perhaps Neymar left, Sarabia right. Is, is that right? And if it's a 4-4-2, before I hand back to you, are we looking Sarabia with Icardi up top, Neymar plus a winger like Draxler, for example? Or how, how, how's it looking? I would, I'd say, for me, the most likely is the 4-3-3 with the three you mentioned at, at up top. Icardi through the middle, Neymar on the left, Sarabia on the right, which would be how they played against Leon, just with Sarabia, who has a good left foot, um, taking the place of Angel Di Maria on the right, who is also a left footer. I think it's difficult now to play a 4-4-2, just in terms of attacking players. If you want to make substitutions, that limits you um, and, and sort of paints you into a corner. If you, if you have any problems and you need to change, it means you've got to change formation again. Um, a midfield three without Verratti, if he can't play, Paredes has shown that he can that he can fill Marco Verratti's shoes in the big games like the one against Dortmund already. Um, Marquinhos can step up into midfield. That's what people seem to be thinking will happen at the moment with uh, 
Thiago Silva and Presnel Kimpembe at the back. I suspect it could be a 4-3-3, but nobody expected a 3-4-3 that we saw against Dortmund in Dortmund either. All right, Robbie. Well, get get some sunscreen on. And um, Joachim, Armel and, uh, and, and Tom all send their regards. Straight back. We're not jealous at all. Absolutely stifling here here in Paris, about 37 degrees today. What, what What's the forecast in Portugal? It's going to be another 28, 29 degrees here. We've oh. got training later today, which you can oh, catch nice live one. as well. We'll be presenting a, a nice live training at about 7 p.m., 8 p.m. Central European time, 7 p.m. Uh, English time. Nice. And we're, we're hoping to see you as late as possible back in Paris, okay? We're hoping for you to come back on like 22nd, for example. No, 23rd. No, 24th. 20, uh, 24th. <laughs> Let's say 24th. Sorry, yeah, the be, final's on the 23rd, fine. isn't it? 24th. We'll see, hopefully see you then, then, Robbie. I might I might miss the opening round of the league on season, though, Matt, but uh, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll trade it just this once. I'll trade it for staying in, okay. in Lisbon. All right, we'll see you next week then, Rob. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, mate. All the best. Cheers, Matty. Cheers, everyone. So, Armel, Robbie Thompson, typically uh, upbeat there in, 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 in Portugal. He always is uh, very upbeat as far as PSG are concerned. But, but why not be confident? They're three games away, potentially, from, from conquering Europe. They've got Atalanta. They're, you know, they're arguably on the easier side of the draw. And, you know, I do say arguably because uh, Atalanta, uh, we know, are a strong side. Um, Atletico and Leipzig as well. But, um, you know, is Robbie right? Is he right to be feeling to, to be feeling that confident, despite the injuries hanging over Verratti and Mbappe in particular? Of course he is. He has to be. It's his job. But um, no. <laughs> aside from that, I think uh, I think the the depth of talent that there is at Paris Saint Germain is, is is enough to to see the team through against Atalanta. With all due respect to them, who have their their own problems with players who are going to be missing. Notably, I was reading this morning that they're their first choice goalkeeper won't be starting against Paris Saint-Germain. Um, so, and, and uh, Ilicic is it, a very important player for them as well. So the fact that PSG are sweating on, well, I say sweating on, I think that might be Robbie's positivity. I, 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 I almost don't want to see Mbappe out there. Don't want to see Verratti out, there, Verratti out there just because, you know, you can inject them as much as you want, but they're humans and they should be given a bit of rest to come back from their injury, to come back stronger. And be able to play a little longer, but um, but yeah, I think you know, I think PSG. We saw Ander Herrera. I don't know if you saw that video of him smashing in a, a half volley after a, a Neymar flick over his head. He seems to be well integrated into the group. We know he's a vocal leader and the team, and he might have a, a real chance in in midfield to sort of galvanise the team of what's left of it anyway. But I think they'll be all right. Tom, just to talk because there, there there are a couple of major. Um, selection issues for Thomas Tuchel. Uh, it's looking more likely it'll be a 4-3-3 rather than the 4-4-2 or, or 4-2-4. So you've got a midfield three effectively to to choose. It's looking like Marquinhos will play the holding position. And then I think it's two from Idrissa Gay, Ander Herrera or Leandro Paredes. Is that is that the way you see it? And how, how would you line up in, in midfield given, given that Verratti is almost certainly out? Yeah, I mean, we know that that uh, Thomas Tuchel found that that very successful formula around the turn of the year with the, the Cat Fantastique, and, and when those four attacking players were in the team, it gave PSG a dynamism that we'd not really previously seen un, under Tuchel. Um, clearly, with um, uh, with Di Maria being suspended, uh, with Mbappe probably not being being fit enough to start, um, 
I, I think there's no point trying to replicate that formula. Uh, and I, I think also given um, Atalanta's attacking prowess, you know, 98 goals in, in Serie A, it's just a phenomenal team. I think it makes sense to, to, to pack the midfield a bit more and, and to go for the 4-3-3. As you say, Marquinhos is, is the obvious candidate in, in the holding role. Um, I think I think he'll want Idrissa Gay in there for his, uh, his his industry, his stamina, his his ability to sort of uh, physically get on top of his opponents. Um, and then and then yeah, basically the choices between Paredes and, and Herrera. And I think I think Paredes gives you more in terms of ball control and, and being able to pick a pass. But Herrera is is more of an alliance of sort of more technical football and that sort of industry. Um, so I think whoever gets the nod out of those two, I'm assuming that this is a decision that he ends up making, I think that'll tell us quite a lot about how um, PSG approached the game. But yeah, I mean, it makes sense uh, to me as an approach. Um, we've seen Tuchel use different systems in Europe this season, the three at the back in the first leg against Dortmund, the 4-4-2 at home. I mean, his, his hand has been forced a little bit by, by um, injuries and suspensions and what have you. But I think it's worth... Uh, flagging as uh, as Robbie did just then that when they uh, beat Dortmund about their pass in the previous round they didn't have Verratti um, uh, Mbappe was only fit enough for the bench and came on for the last half an hour or so so that they've managed to be uh, successful even without key players in the Champions League this season so I think that uh, plus their experience and, and plus Atalanta's lack of experience means that for all that we would love to see them going out there with Verratti and Mbappe fit and firing a Di Maria in the lineup as well I, I still have PSG as favourites for this yeah and you you make a good point Tom regarding the well you made many good points but regarding the second leg against against Dortmund it was a really strong collective performance and we saw Neymar you know perhaps not at his at his best in terms of what he did with the ball but you know you could see he was totally totally kind of up for it and he was fighting as much as anybody else and you know there's a big article in in L'Equipe today the, the the first couple of pages of L'Equipe explaining that the time has come for Neymar and he's been a different person in the last few months there's no talk about Barcelona anymore um, and you know Joachim he was bought three years ago for this wasn't it for for, for nights like this yeah um, he hasn't delivered yet because of different reasons mainly injury problems it's it's Neymar's time isn't it yeah, it is, and um, and I think that especially when uh, what you said that uh, Mbappe probably is not going to start, Verratti is injured. I thought that uh, uh, after the draw, I thought that uh, Marco Verratti's performance would be the key of this game, considering the way Atalanta is playing with a high pressure. And Marco Verratti, when he gets the ball, is 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 so is so quick and so he's able to erase one the first line of a. Uh, of uh, of of defender of defender, so he's not playing. So it's the key somewhere else. Probably uh, the fact that uh, you know Marquinhos and if Herrera is playing and Gay, they're pretty uh, defensive uh, midfielder and they're pretty like box to box profile. So they're probably going to have to uh, be a little bit uh, be a little bit more uh, uh, bold uh, to help uh, Saravia and Neymar because otherwise it's going to be pretty easy to um, to defend uh, against themselves. But yeah, I think that uh, it's it's pretty good to see Neymar is such a who seems to be so happy at the moment. You know, I don't know if uh, there's probably a part of communication when when you see all these pictures on social medias of all the guys are having barbecues. You know, that's it's it's uh, it's uh, it's strange because they, most of the time in the summer they're not here, but there they've been here since the end of uh, June and seems they, they seems to party all the time uh, together. Especially with the Hispanophone, the Argentinians, the Spaniards, and with the, the Brazilians, they seem to hang out all the time together. 
it doesn't make a yeah. um, necessary a winning team, but at least you can feel that there's the, uh, this happiness to be together. So I just hope that, uh, uh, and in the middle of it, there seems to be Neymar and uh, that understood that, uh, you know, move to Barcelona is over and that is in Paris for three years, not in Jure. He seems to be happy. So I think that uh, on the human side and the psychological side, it seems that everything is made for him to shine and, uh, and bring back the, at least the, the cup of the Grand Oreilles. <laughs> yeah, the cup with the big ears the, um, that France hasn't won since 1993 when Basil Bolli scored for Marseille against AC Milan. Um, Armel, Joachim touches on the fact that Neymar's been, um, been turning in some good performances off the pitch, particularly in, in, in Saint-Tropez. I'm not saying he was partying all the time, but there were you know, some, some quite um, in-depth reports in the French press about the, uh, the villa that... that that they rented and uh, yeah, they were having a, a nice time after the, uh, after the confinement, but it's all about doing it on the pitch. Now, do you, I mean, my, my concern, I see what ha- what's happened to Thomas Tuchel and I hear Robbie saying that he's, he's in a wheelchair in the, uh, in, in the hotel and he's got these crutches that are too small for him. It, it's, it's, it's all a bit sort of a, a, a little bit tra- a potential tragic comedy that could be sort of awaiting us on, on, on Wednesday. And of course, PSG are, are expected I mean, not necessarily by football fans who know Atalanta, but they're the favourites against Atalanta. Are we setting ourselves up for a humiliation or every, you know, a chance for everybody to, to laugh at PSG? It sort of sounds like you're asking me whether Neymar's going to go off after 25 minutes with his fourth metatarsal in, uh, in plaster. But um, I think, I think that's, it's always the case when Paris Saint-Germain play in Europe. The, the, the whole of France sets them up so in, a, mm. in, in such a way that um, if they win, it's almost like, well, yeah, obviously. And if they lose, it's like, ah, there you go. Told you. I knew it. I'd put my... Someone somewhere in France has put their finger on the reason why PSG will lose. If they lose, I don't think they will. But someone some, in some bistro somewhere in the corner of France would have said, see, I told you, Tilo Kerr's shirt wasn't tucked in and that's why PSG didn't get through. It is... It is looking sort of that way with, as you say, Tuchel in a wheelchair and such. It's not something you see every day on the sidelines in the Champions League game. But let's have a bit of faith. Let's go against the grain of the French media and have a bit of faith in Paris Saint-Germain. Tom, I don't want to um, be negative. We're all, we're, we're all hoping, we're all confident that PSG will, will go through. Do you think Thomas Tuchel, though, if things... You know, Potentially, could be these, these could be his last days as a Paris Saint-Germain manager. I mean, we saw saw what happened to Sarri in uh, in Juventus. Tuchel's future isn't necessarily linked with Wednesday's result, but there'll be uh, an awful lot of pressure on if things go wrong, won't there? Yeah, and that's always the problem with with PSG when we get to this stage of the season. Um, okay, you know, we know that it's not a complete given that PSG will will clean up domestically as they have this season. We saw that last season. We saw that when Monaco picked them to the title. But the expectation every year is that PSG will clean up uh, domestically. And so the success of, of PSG's coaches stands or falls on their performances in these knockout matches. Now, Thomas Tuchel has already had the success of, of um, uh, you know, getting that monkey off PSG's back by getting them through the last 16. And I think, I think he and, and the players and PSG's fans will take a huge amount of confidence from that second leg performance against Borussia Dortmund. Yes, it was a long time ago. It was, it was pre-lockdown. But, you know, we're used to PSG being jittery in these matches. Uh, we're used to things going wrong. We're used to misfortune uh, befalling them in the most unexpected ways. And what we saw in that game against Dortmund was a team 
uh, with plenty of confidence of playing at this stage of the competition, who came out and from the very, you know, from the very first minute said, we're in control of this game uh, and we're going to win it and we're not going to give Dortmund a sniff. And for all of Dortmund's attacking firepower, that's exactly what they did. And they looked like a proper successful Champions League knockout team um, in that match which we've, we've really not seen, um, you know, in, in, in the QSI era. So I, I think if they, if they go into this game and if they're able to start with the same sort of confidence, draw the sting from the game, um, use the experience of people like Thiago Silva and Marquinhos of these big matches, a level of experience that Atalanta's players don't have. And if Neymar can do it and if they can get Sarabia, if they can get Sarabia into the right areas, um, then they should be able to do it. But of course, because it's PSG, if anything does go wrong, immediately the spotlight switches onto the coach. And it, it, it's hard to see Tuchel surviving, if, if we're honest, because he was brought in to win the Champions League, just like every other coach in the last uh, nine years. Joachim, as a, as a Frenchman, do you sense that outside of France, everybody is kind of hoping, I'm mean, not everybody, but I'd say well over 90% of people, hoping that PSG slip up every year, hoping that it's even more embarrassing. And, you know, do you sense that? And does that motivate you or make you want to see PSG win just so that you can um, mm. you know say yeah yeah you can, so there, yeah, so you everybody can, else. yeah you can feel it um, especially from people who have been following football for not uh, that long because PSG was still something uh, uh, back in, uh, in the mid 90s uh, yes but I think that you know this draw with Atalanta Bergam is the worst in terms of image and we know that uh, you know the owner from the Qatari owners they're, they're very uh, uh, fussy about uh, the image of the club why? Because Atalanta Bergam is the, some kind of uh, the Ajax of this season, very romantic, uh, attacking football. So, if uh, if uh, if the if they kick out Paris Saint Germain, everybody's going to laugh. You know, going to talk about the budget: seventy million on one side, a half billion on the other side. And let's say you know it's going to be like uh, you know another uh, Paris Saint Germain bashing uh, time. And if Paris Saint-Germain wins, everybody's going to think that uh, it's normal. And in a way, Paris Saint-Germain is going to be the, uh, the one who ends up the, the, the dream uh, of uh, Atalanta Bergam and, uh, and uh, the killer of this uh, romantic football. So I think in terms of image, there's no way that uh, Paris Saint-Germain uh, um, uh, come out with you know, some kind of anything positive, you know, if, unless they, they do a brilliant game. And, but uh, I, I think that is going to be... Um, some kind of uh, the, the the game that we had the um, uh, the written game with uh, Dortmund, uh, you know, Paris Saint Germain get qualified in a very un Paris Saint Germain way. Uh, what Tom was saying, very looks like a team, uh, uh, very um, disciplined. So I think that uh, it's probably the it's probably going to be the same kind of uh, of game for uh, for this uh, quarter fighter. You're listening to Joachim Barbier, journalist from SoFoot magazine here in France. You're listening to Le Bourget, the official league and podcast. Uh, you can get in touch using the hashtag Le Bourget uh, on social media. You can send us uh, emails. We always welcome your thoughts. Um, if you've got any questions for our special League 1 season preview next week, uh, do send them uh, on league1podcast at gmail.com. We're going to move on to Leon. There's a lot to talk about ahead of Leon's game against Manchester City. Before we do that, very quick predictions uh, around the table for Wednesday night's game. Paris Saint-Germain, Atalanta, starting with Armel Tangi. Um, Paris Saint-Germain, four. Atalanta, two. <laughs> Tom Williams. Uh, I'll go PSG, two, one. Far more realistic. <laughs> uh, what, <laughs> what about Joachim? I was about to, to predict the same, so I would say two, nil for Paris. 
two nil. I yeah yeah. I mean, go on, stick your neck out. I don't know. I'm not as mm. stick my neck out. I can't go. Oh, I might as well go for an Atalanta win. Three one Atalanta. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I've not seen much at all of Atalanta. I'm going mainly on Tom's sort of stats and uh, and and the fact that PSG are good at shooting themselves in the foot. But no, I hope not. I hope PSG make it. But uh, we've got three predicted wins and just, just the one defeat. So that's not too bad. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on to um, to the other representative. And I was absolutely chuffed, I have to say, on uh, on Friday night as a, a Ligue 1 enthusiast. Uh, Leon, they'd beaten Juventus 1-0 in the first leg at home. They played really well. That was before the, um, the, the pandemic. Um, it was always going to be difficult for them in Turin. Juventus having won the title, having gone into the game in some stuttering form. They got that penalty, controversial penalty, inexistent for some, um, that Memphis Depay converted with a Penenka. And I was thinking, this, this is good. But Juventus, to their credit, they came back. Um, the penalty from Ronaldo, fantastic left-footed shot from Ronaldo. There was still a good half an hour left for Leon to hold out. And they did so. They rode their luck a little bit. Um, at times, but I thought I was saying to Armel earlier, the last twenty minutes or so, Juve didn't really have a have a chance, and it was it was really really impressive from from Olympique Lyonnais, the first team ever, first French team ever to knock Juventus out in European competition. Tom, for a, for a side that finished seventh in Ligue 1 to beat the side that's won the last nine Serie A titles, it's 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 a big achievement, isn't it? Yeah, it's a huge achievement. Um, I mean. Some attenuating circumstances, Juve had looked leggy for a few weeks. Clearly, uh, it wasn't really working under Sarri. I know he took them to the title, but it was the the least impressive of those nine uh, consecutive uh, Serie A titles that they've won. And obviously, you know, they they parted ways with Sarri in the aftermath of that that exit. But yeah, a really impressive, disciplined performance by Lyon. Uh, And I think... I think they've shown um, in, uh, in the Champions League this season that they, they've found a way to play in these matches. And I think a problem that teams like Lyon have, and this isn't unique to, to big French clubs, it's that they're a big club domestically. OK, they had a, you know, a very poor season by their standards. Ordinarily, they're a top three team in, in, in France, top three, top four team. They go onto the pitch expecting to win more games than they lose. In Europe, they're a little team, um, you know, it's sad to say. Uh, and um, they've, they've only got to the Champions League semi-finals once. Um, and, and even then, uh, you know, it took them beating another French team to get there back in 2010 under, under Claude Puel. And I think, I think that's a problem Leon have had is that they've not always known how to approach these matches. They're kind of, they've got their bum between two, two stools, as, uh, as they say in <laughs> French, of do they go out and try and impose themselves and play the way they do domestically or, or do they try and sit back? And they, they've struggled with that uh, at times. And, and, but because of the quality they have, it's made them quite a mercurial team. And we saw this in the Champions League last season with those two fantastic results against Manchester City in, in the group phase. And I, I think one thing that you, you can say about Lyon now is that we know exactly how they'll approach this game, um, that it'll be exactly the same as, as, as against Juventus, as against uh, PSG in the final of the Coupe de la Ligue. The 3-5-2 slash 5-3-2 players behind the ball trying to play on the counter-attack. And uh, while it's, you know, it's not the most exciting sort of football, it's it's... It's a system that, that um, is, is pretty solid defensively and it gives them a chance. Uh, and they're massive underdogs, uh, just as they were against Juventus. There's no great pressure on them. Uh, and I think they'll, they'll take a huge amount of confidence from the fact that they were able to knock Juventus out of the competition playing in this way. Joachim, um, Tom suggests we know how Leon will play. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think he's right. Uh, L'Equipe, I was just reading earlier, suggesting that this could be the game for Moussa Dembele to come back into the team. Just... 
to, to, to remind people Carl Tokwe Kombe played um, as one of the two with, with Memphis Depay and his speed and mobility, I thought actually did cause Juventus problems. Uh, we haven't necessarily seen Memphis Depay and Moussa Dembele click as a partnership. Yeah. Do you see... Do you see Dembele coming back in or would you stick with that same 11? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it doesn't really change the, the system, as Tom uh, uh, mentioned. I think it's going to be uh, more a question of um, attitude, you know. Um, and I think that what Tom was saying is like this, uh, the context is, uh, is important because you seem so, we saw so many times that the French teams could be... Uh, impressed by the trophies, the, the stadium, the fans and all of that, that's things that we uh, seems that uh, we, we, we never had or we don't have. So probably the fact that, um, you know, they play behind clo- closed doors and it's going to be the same, maybe it just uh, makes things a little bit easier uh, in terms of the psychological approach uh, for the French team, uh, you know, and especially Lyon uh, before Manchester City. Um, I don't feel like, uh, you know, uh, Lyon is going to be a very offensive uh, uh, team, especially in the first 20 minutes. After, it's going to be a, it's a, their ability, it's going to be about their ability to uh, uh, take a chance from the very small numbers of uh, balls that they're going to have. I think it's brilliant to see Lyon back uh, at the, the highest level in, in Europe. And I think it's also quite funny to see that they're doing so under, under Rudy Garcia man who had pretty dreadful stats in the Champions League under under previous clubs but it's you know it's something has to be said and I think Robbie would be would be really happy with me for saying that he must have got his men up for that game motivated for the for the Juve game and it worked um it's it's a team that's got talent all over the all over the field perhaps lacking a little in defense and that might have showed the end of the second half, but um, I think we can all agree, having spoken already about uh, the front line, and uh, Joaquin mentioned a little bit the partnership between Denier and, and Marcelo, but that midfield, so young, so talented, and just seemingly in control of every touch they make. My personal favourite is uh, Maxence Cacare. I think there's still plenty of room for improvement in the way he plays in terms of recycling possession and being a little more creative, a little more precise in the way he passes the ball forward anyway. But his his work ethic, his success rate in winning the ball back and his his battling for a man who's only about four foot one is just is second to none, really. He, he, I found him so impressive. I don't know if anyone else agrees with me on that. Yes, I think we probably all, all do. Maxence Cacare was absolutely outstanding. 20 years of age, I thought he really did look, look at home and, and helped Leon so much because actually at times they were lacking a bit of aggression. They were a bit tentative and he, was, he, he just seemed to, to have conviction in, in everything that he did. Um, Tom, the midfield, it's, it's impressive. I mean, Armel says Kakare is his favourite. My favourite, I think, always will be Usamawa, even if, you know, maybe given... It was two years ago, actually, against Man City. It was absolutely tremendous, and he caught Pep Guardiola's eye that night and perhaps hasn't developed quite as quickly or as, as much as we would have been hoping. But uh, there was a report in Gazeta after the Juventus game that, that compared him a little bit with, with, with Zidane. We know the, uh, the Italian press like to to go over the top. But there, there were moments 
where his ball control and his intelligence with the ball um, were were phenomenal against Juventus. Um, I mean, our as well as Kakare and Bruno Guimaraes, they're, they're going to have to be, again, at, at the top of their game, aren't they, Tom? Yeah, um, and I'd, I'd echo your thoughts on Awa. I think he's a magnificent football player. He's the sort of player you just enjoy watching him, the way he moves around the pitch, the way he addresses the ball, uh, the way he passes the ball, uh, you know, technically immaculate. Um, and I, I think he has, I think there are areas in which he's improved this season. Like, you know, he's, he's much more effective in the opposition third in terms of goals in particular, um, which is, you know, another another feather to his bow. But yeah, you mentioned the um, the two games against City in the Champions League last season. Um, I mean, you know, it feels like it was about five years ago, uh, post-COVID-19 uh, lockdown, but it, it was relatively recent. You look at the Lyon lineup; it, it won't be that different to the team that managed to take four points off uh, City and a City who are having a much more successful season domestically at the time than, than they have uh, of late. Um, and what was interesting is is looking at the, the way they went about the home game against City. They played with a back three, and it was the same back three that we expect to start um, against City this time around with Marcelo in the centre uh, and Denier and, and Marcel on either side. Um, it was that they were even more proactive. Sorry, even more proactive on that occasion. Um, they played with like a three-four-three, whereas we expected more of a three-five-two um, this time. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's a thankless task playing Manchester City because you know they're going to have all the ball. You're going to, you have to be super alert. You need a bit of luck um, on your side. But as you said previously, the fact that it's only one game, I think, increases Leon's chances. Um, it will require a really impressive collective performance, a lot of discipline, a lot of self-sacrifice. And, you know, City are clear favourites. But I think, I think Leon will go into it with a bit of decent momentum. Uh, Joachim... French clubs are still amazing at developing young talent. Leon, in, in particular, we've seen it with with Maxence Kakare. Because of financial reasons, they they find it hard to hold on to the players for for a long time. Would it be cynical of me to suggest that in the in the back of Usamao's mind, Kakare, even Memphis Depay, who's uh, just got one year left on his Leon contract, would it be cynical to suggest they're going into this game thinking this is a, a wonderful chance for me to show what I can do? given that I might be off soon. Less so with Kakare, but, you know, Janino did say, he did say after the Juventus game, we're probably going to lose players and we've got a two-month transfer window coming up. Yeah, maybe I will. Uh, I don't think that Kakare was going to leave. Uh, it's probably too soon, so he's probably going to stay one or two more seasons. What is funny is that we, we were expecting uh, more uh, Ryan Cherki to be uh, the products from the academy coming up to the the first team, you know, uh, showing to the world what he's able to. It finally, it's another player. It probably has to do as well with the fact that Thiago Mendes doesn't really reach uh, all the expectation when he's been bought uh, from uh, from Lille. So uh, um, I don't. Know. It depends on you know many things. That, that I think that the main thing is that uh, Lyon won't be playing any Champions League football unless they win this season. So that might be a, a reason for uh, Jean-Michel Olas to sell uh, players that he would like to uh, to keep uh, because otherwise probably something like between 35-40 millions. Um, and is, they're always good to um, uh, to sell pretty well. They're good players, you know. And there's probably another I think, one. I think they'd get more. I think they'd get more for our 35 million, you'd get plenty of clubs okay. snapping okay. 
You think around what uh, 50, 60? Yeah. If if Everton or West Ham would play 75, (laughs) easy. (laughs) If he can orchestrate a victory against City, yeah, we'd be talking probably 60 odd million, honestly. Um, Yeah, but there's a bit less money. uh, this season because of COVID and all the, 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 the consequences. So, but I don't know, but uh, I think that if our, his, uh, his living is going to be a big loss for Lyon and for French football, as Stan was saying, it's, you know, you're not necessarily a fan of Lyon or French football, but that's the kind of player you, you, um, you can spend uh, 90 minutes because just uh, his elegance and the way he plays and his intelligence is, uh, it, it could be, uh, the equivalent in few seasons, it could be the equivalent of David Silva for me. You know, it's the same kind of, um, you know, of attitude and, uh, and elegance and uh, the way he creates spaces. And, uh, and I think that um, um, maybe, maybe he needs to go abroad to, um, uh, um, I'm not saying a bigger club, but uh, um, a team with players that speak the same language than him. They speak a different language. Yeah, different language, you know, because uh, it's like the same language, football language, I mean, you know. Yeah, and you're, you're often as well in, in a bit of a comfort zone when yeah. you're living in your hometown. And uh, yeah, we might see a better hour if, if he leaves Leon one day. I don't know. I hope, I hope that Leon uh, managed to keep him. Armel, I want to look at how Leon are going to beat City. We talked about playing, playing defensively, hitting on the counter-attack. If you're a Leon fan, you'd be a bit worried about the ability of Marcelo, Marcel and Denaya to have another good game. They've had two good games in a row now, PSG, Juventus, but they're not guys who inspire that much confidence, you know, given, given the performances this season, or am I being a bit harsh? I think, I think it's a fair point you make, but I also think um, that you're, you're missing the main reason why uh, Leon could beat Manchester City. In two words, Maxwell Cornet. <laughs> the man who turns up when Leon play against English teams. He's always, he did so last time they played against Manchester City. Frankly, I have what blind faith in the man to. But play. he's good. He's good as well, Armel. In all seriousness, in this, in this left wing back position, I, I've been really impressed. Okay, I'll change my tone of voice then. I'm actually not joking here. Because <laughs> when you look at Leon's back line as well, the one, Marcel, you can always count on him to smash one in his own net or. You know, he's, for me, he's a bit of a liability. Take him out of the equation. Put Cornet at a sort of left wing back. He was brilliant at the end of last season. He's Rudy Garcia's new Bunasar, you know. Used to be an attacking player at Mets. Now he's just going to play wing back for me. But I, I, I think that he really gets up for it. He really gets up for it. And in all seriousness, we know that, as we've just spoken about, they've got huge quality in midfield. We know they've got Dembele and Depay up front who are capable of putting out the stops. What they need to be to beat City is for their slightly less headline players to to really put it in as well. And I bring up Maxwell Cornet as a bit of a joke, but genuinely I do think that he's one of those players who who who's going to c- contribute to Leon beating Manchester City if that is to be the case. Yeah, Cornet and, and, and Leo Dubois, I think they're pretty solid performers. They get up and down as, as wing-backs. Tom, you've probably, I would guess, watched Man City more than us this season. Um, I've seen them once or twice. And, uh, you know, as, as an Arsenal fan, I, I enjoyed the Cup semi-final where Arsenal actually played, you know, very defensively and get it, got everybody behind the ball and played a sort of game that, that, that I think Leon will try to execute as well. Um, how do you how do you see things unfolding? And do you think City are vulnerable against you know a low block, a team that doesn't give them anything? 
Yeah, I mean, City are vulnerable to the ball in behind. Uh, every Pep Guardiola team is. Uh, and I think an issue that, that this, this current iteration of, of, of Manchester City have is that they don't have the sort of defensive backbone that they were able to call upon in previous seasons. You know, we know that they haven't successfully replaced that sort of company. Emmerich uh, Laporte is about their only reliable um, centre-back. Looks like Benjamin Mondi is going to come back into the team um, for this game. And, and, you know, we know that he's, he's much happier going towards the opposition goal than he is going towards his own. Um, you know, the recipe for beating Leon, unless you are able to come up with this really aggressive pressing system and, and, and just not allow them to settle into their rhythm, uh, which is something that takes an awful lot of coordination and, and training ground work, the way to beat City is to sit in, to frustrate them, uh, to pack the middle of the pitch um, and then to hit them on the break. Uh, you know, that's already the way that Leon have been playing of, of late. Um, and the, the key is making sure that if you get chances, you take them, whether that's at set pieces, whether that's penalties or whether that's through someone running through from deep because of City's high line. Uh, and I think the one thing you would say is that this City team does give you chances. Previous Guardiola teams haven't always been that generous. Um, I, I think this is possibly the most generous team that Guardiola has presided over um, in, in, his, in his coaching career today in terms of the, the amount of opportunities they give up. So it means that if a chance falls to, to Dembele or Depay or whoever, they, they need to take it. Um, but yeah, you know, Leon's game plan, I, I think, is, is, is going to be pretty, um, uh, you know, it's easy to envisage how they're going to go about this game. They'll need a bit of luck. Um, but if they can perform with the same sort of discipline and, and, and rigour that they showed uh, against Juventus and against, against PSG recently at Stade de France, then, you know, they, they might have a chance. But that, Tom, is why I would play Toko Ekambi, but just because of his, his, his speed. There were a lot of people who seemed to be, you know, shocked or disappointed that Dembele was dropped for the second leg against Juventus. I wasn't one of them. I, uh, I, I just, I'm not always convinced by Dembele. And when he came on for 20 minutes against Juventus, he lost pretty much every ball that, that, that came towards him. I know he's a better finisher, a better goal scorer than Toko Ikombi, but I just think for, for, for his mobility, for offering like outlets, no? Anyone else with me? No, I'm joking, mean, I, joking. I, 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 I think that, earlier, he doesn't, doesn't really care. Yeah, no, he's, I, I, he's I think... the same if Dembele plays. I think, I think Dembele's hold-up play isn't as good as it should be. You'd expect more from, from a player like that, given, um, you know, given his, his physique and given his position. Um, you know, that the ball goes up to him and doesn't stick, sadly. Um, the relationship with the pie is not what it could be. Um, but at the same time, he is a fantastic finisher. And, you know, given, given the, the value of, of taking opportunities in games like this, I, I would understand it if Garcia went for him uh, rather than Toko Ikambi. No, but we, 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 we talk like um, we are 100% sure that the pie the, the is going to play. Uh, I'm not sure that for this game, he, you know, he's going to be uh, on the field as a starter. You know, I think that uh, you're right. Like, uh, uh, I think that the, the key for Lyon, because they're going to have more spaces with the way that this, this team of cities playing and, uh, you know, it's, it's always the same with the, the French team. They're not used to have so much, so much rest because in Ligue 1, it's very, you know, all tied up. So what's, what they're going to make uh, of these spaces? Are they going to have this, um, you know, killer instinct and try to, to score at um, every possession or... They're going to kind of warm up and wait till uh, what City makes uh, out of the game. You know, Lyon can decide what they can make of, the, of this opportunity and the spaces that they're going to have behind the, 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 the defensive line of City. So I think that, uh, you know, even a player like uh, Rena Delahid could be interesting in, this, uh, in, a game, uh, in a game like that. So uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not, I'm yeah, not sure I'm, that. Yeah. 
um, question of uh, profile and payer, more about uh, you know mental uh, attitude. You know, we're gonna have Lyon's gonna have spaces. What they're gonna make out of it? I'm, I'm a bit worried that all this talk of Ren Adelaide and Toko Ekambi is not leaving much room for Maxwell Cornet. <laughs> Just putting it out there. <laughs> I thought you were going to make an Angers comment. It was the made in Angers mm. with the Jeffrey and Adelaide. And, we'll uh, leave that to you and Nicola Pepe, shall we? Toko Ekombi. Um, listen, guys, it's, it's different to the PSG Atlanta game because City are, are obviously the favourites. Um, predictions, the three of you went for a French victory uh, on Wednesday night. Tom, what's going to happen Saturday night? I mean, I'd love to see Leon do it, but I, I, think, City, I think City will go through quite comfortably. I'll go 4-1 City. Boah! I did say earlier, yeah. Anyway, well, I'll, I'll give my view in a minute. Armel, your view. Oh, penalties. Um, yeah. Oh, Anthony Lopez going to have a blinder <laughs> and Leon are going out. That's just like the Coupe de, Coupe de la Ligue final. Okay, Joachim? Uh, let's say 1-1 one, one, and I don't know what's going to happen in extra time or penalties. But, um, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Well, uh, yeah, I was talking a little bit earlier I think with was it with Armel and I was saying you know I think Leon have got a real chance but equally City could win it 5-0 you know if things go wrong if they concede early and in the heat and what have you um, but I'm going to be more optimistic I'm going to go with a draw as well and I will I'll predict a Leon victory so 1-1 as well and Leon to win in the shootout Bertrand Traore to atone for his miss in the Coupe de League final to smash home the winner so he's playing as well is he Cornet's not getting a look in right now no he's coming on he's coming on Armel. <laughs> of course he is listen it's, it's, it's been great hearing from Tom Williams Arnold Tangi, and Joachim Barbier on, uh, on Le Bourgeois this morning despite our early problems we did manage to get this thing recorded we'll be back of course next week it's a, um, a preview for the league on season. Joachim, I think, has some children to attend to. So, uh, time to go. Thanks a lot for joining us, everybody. From me, Matt Spiro, and, and all of the team, it's time to say au revoir et à bientôt. Bye-bye. Wraps it up.